This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. We're calling this episode three for 30. So we're going to look at three albums, each of us and celebrate their 30th anniversary this year. Is that how this episode's going to roll out? Yeah, we got uh, some good albums here. A lot of them, well, a lot of them, we only talk about six albums, but two or three of them I had not heard in a while. So it, it should be some interesting conversation for sure. Yeah. So I pretty much knew all these records myself, but just like you, I hadn't listened to them from start to finish in a while. We're talking about six albums, three from Sonny, three from myself that were released the year 1992. And of course, this being 2022 are celebrating their 30th anniversary. So we're going to talk about each one of these records a little bit, maybe share a couple of songs, two or three songs that we love from the record, some if we hate, and uh, yeah, just generally give our opinions as we always do, because the only people that care about our opinions are, well, me and you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So just like all the rest of the episodes, before we get too deep into this three for 30, we got to do this. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. So tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight comes to us from the band Shiraz Lane. They just released their latest album called Forgotten Shades of Life, and we are going to feature the second tune on the record called Maniac Dance. Check it out. Hey, this is Hannes Kev from Shiraz Lane. You're hanging with the Growing Up Rock Podcast with Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood. Pony, get your popcorn ready and crank it up because we're going to do this right now. Mm-hmm. Hey, 
Okay, so I've heard this album a couple of times now because it's been out for a little while. And everybody sounds great. Hannes sounds great. The music sounds great. That's not a problem. But like this song is a good example of sometimes where you just lose me. Like there's a cool riff. Love the riff. Love the verses. Yeah. The pre-chorus is not great. And the chorus is meh. So after the verses end and it gets to the pre-chorus, it gets a little weird for me. And he gets kind of whiny in the vocal melody, which I'm like, what is he doing? Then I'm kind of counting on the chorus to save it. And it didn't. Mm -hmm. So this album right now is not in the running for my top 10 of 2022. I love those guys and they were great live and all that, but it just has not connected with me yet. Yeah, they'll be on the cruise in 2023, and they're a great live band. Looking forward to seeing them again. Of course, we had a great interview with Hannes while we were on the boat in 2019, uh, or no, 2020, rather. Um, and uh, look, I like this band a lot, but this is a band, when I listen to their music, they do not hit me right out of the gate. I have to spend time with their records, and that goes really for all their records, but generally... I end up liking their records. They're a little bit different band because they have some different dynamics to the music. They also go a lot deeper into a lot of their lyrics than most of the bands from this type of music. So I think you really have to sink your teeth into the band Shiraz Lane to get their music. I've spent probably the last several weeks listening to this particular album i took it on a cruise with me recently and just you know i would listen to it from start to finish and it's really starting to grow on me i'm starting to dig it quite a bit so i would say if you liked what you heard with maniac dance then i would check out the latest album forgotten shades of life Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. So today's topic, we got six albums from 1992, as you mentioned before, 30th year anniversary. We could have went with a lot of different albums from 92, and there were some big albums in 92. But we dug a little bit deeper, possibly going to talk about a few albums that you may not own as a listener and you may not have ever heard of, to be honest. The first one, Steve's, and I know all the cool kids are supposed to love this album, but I guess we didn't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so the first one I'm going to dig into is probably the more popular choice of this entire list from both of us tonight, and I'm going to talk a little bit about Warrant's Dog Eat Dog. This was an interesting record for the band to release. They released it in 92 when music was really just turning and they took a heavier route. They got away from basically this band were the cherry pie guys right at this point. So they weren't going to get away from that. The first two albums are, you know, good time, glam, cherry pie, sex, drugs and rock and roll type thing. And with Dog Eat Dog, it's much more of a darker record. It's much more of a heavier record. But I absolutely love this record from the get-go. Like Sonny said, it's kind of the cool kid's choice, uh, which means that a lot of people that we know really love this album. I don't know whether there are tons of people I know that hate this record, but I'm sure there are people out there because the album sales would dictate that there's a lot of people that didn't know what to do with this record and didn't like it. It's the band's third studio album. For me, there's so many great songs on this record, but some of my favorite songs are Bonfire, Hole in My Wall, 
and Bitter Pill, which is sort of a ballad song. And if you know if I'm saying that I like a ballad, there must be something to it. But I would encourage people to listen to Bitter Pill with headphones because I really love the way they mixed it and pan the speakers. And it's almost like one person is singing in the left and then there's an answer in the right side of the headphones. I just love it. It's a really, really cool tune. And then All My Bridges Is Burning, another great song. There's a lot of good songs on this record. So Dog Eat Dog by Warrant, that's my first choice celebrating 30 years this year. A lot of good songs on this record. That is an exaggeration. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that right now. And this has less to do with, you know, people saying this is their grunge record, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't have the party feel of the first two. I can tell you that. I don't know if it's a grunge record. It's I don't not. know if I agree with that. Nah. It's just not, to me, not written well. So Machine Gun and Holding My Wall are probably my top two songs on this. And they're the first two songs on the album. So it's like, okay, well, that pretty much just sounds like Warrant with a heavier riff. It was April 2031 where I found the difference, and I'm like, uh-oh, here we go. Bitter Pill is brutal. That musical shit in the middle, brutal, brutal. All My Bridges Are Burning I like, but Sad Teresa, oh my God. One of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life. And like even Inside Out, it's just like Fast Warrant with a shitty vocal tone. Like I, I was just like, these are the guys who wrote Sometimes She Cries? Like what happened to that? 
what is this? I do not love this album. The only three songs that ever make any of my playlists are Machine Gun, Hole in My Wall, and All My Bridges Are Burning. There is not another song on here that I will listen to again unless I had a gun to my head. Oh, my God. You're so fucking wrong. You don't like Bonfire. You got issues. Bonfire, it's got a grittier riff, and the, the back and vocal chants are okay, but besides that, it's like, uh. Man. And Andy Warhol? Dude, what the fuck is that? Uh, it's terrible. Andy Warhol's not my favorite song on there. I, I don't love every song on it. It's not a perfect album for me, but I like the majority of it. And Sad Teresa. Sad Teresa is an old-ass song that they used to do in Janie Lane's first band before he was even in, in Warrant. So I don't know why they decided to put that on the record. And then there's another song on there. I think it's Hollywood. That song basically is Jane Says from uh, Jane's Addiction. That's what it sounds like to me. Tell me I'm wrong. I just couldn't get into it. I listened to it again the other day, and I'm like, no wonder I never listened to this record. But from the get-go, Machine Gun, Hole in My Wall, April 2020, was it 2023? What is it? 2031. 2031. Love that tune, man. Ugh, it's a great song. Yuck. All My Bridges are Burning, really good. Bitter Pill, man, if you're you're chalking it up that that song's no good because of the interlude in the middle, give me a break. No, I just wish the chorus was soaring on that thing, and I just like a happier warrant, yeah. and that's not a happier no, warrant. definitely not. Definitely not. All right, what you got up for us? All right, so we're going to go to more poppy, happier tunes here. The first album I'm going to talk about is Firehouse's second album, Hold Your Fire. So it was released June 1992. The album spent 30 weeks in the Billboard 200 top album chart, So, and it peaked at number 23. This album sold pretty well. And, you know, they come off that first album. Love of the Lifetime was on there, which was a huge hit. So, of course, they're the ballad band now. And, of course, CJ's got that ballad voice. And they had a ballad on here, too. But let's talk about the personnel real quick. So, at this point, CJ Snares on lead vocals, Bill Leverty on guitar, Perry Richardson on bass, Michael Foster on drums. So, you got the guys that you would want. Opens up with Reach for the Skies, great. Rock You Tonight. Maybe not so great. It's a little more cheesy. Sleeping with you, totally made for the radio. When I look into your eyes was the big ballad. And I'm sure between Love of a Lifetime and When I Look Into Your Eyes, it's like some of the most popular wedding songs and school dance songs of the 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, when I Look Into Your Eyes got in the top 10. So it topped out at eight. Here was the seven that it could not surpass. Number seven was She's Playing Hard to Get by High Five. I don't even know what that is. Number six was How Do You Talk to an Angel by The Heights, which was a huge song. Mm -hmm. Number five was Jump Around by House of Pain. Jump around. Yep. Jump around. Yeah. 
Number four is I'll Die Without You by PM Dawn. I'm sure I've heard that, but I can't remember it. Number three was Erotica by Madonna. I, I don't even know how that song goes. Number two was a huge song, Sometimes Love Just Ain't Enough by Patti Smythe and Don Henley. Dude, I love that song. Mm-hmm. And number one, on an 11-week number one run in 1992, End of the Road by Boyz II Men. You weren't beating that song. That wasn't going to happen. So to get in the top 10 in 1992 with a hairband, that's not bad. But I would say my favorite song on this album is not When I Look Into Your Eyes. My favorite song on this album is Get In Touch.
I thought it was Striper when I first heard it because of the way it starts. So it's a good album. It's not a perfect album. There's some, you know, like Hold a Dream is another ballad at the end. And there's an example of dude just going to the well too many times. Don't try that hard. So a little bit of cheesiness in some spots. You got the big killer ballad and you got some great deep cuts. Overall, it's a pretty good album. It was a good listen. What'd you think? To me, I don't want to look into your eyes or CJ Snare's eyes either. I don't I don't care looking to either one of your eyes. But here's the thing. I realized that in going through your list today, that there are two bands and two records that are very sort of similar to me and not similar in sound. And so let's talk about the Firehouse record and we'll get to the other one when we get to it. But Hold Your Fire to me is a very underrated Firehouse record. I don't think this record really did do very well, as a matter of fact. I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this record was a was a flop after their first record. I know that it had the one big ballad, but to me, this record is not only underrated, but it's a pretty rocking record. Not that the first one wasn't rocking, but this record rocks pretty well. Uh, Reach for the Sky is a highlight for me. I love it. They still play it live today. I like You're Too Bad, and I also like Get in Touch. Those are my three favorite songs on this record. And I think it's only got like, what, two ballads on it total, right? Yeah, two real ballads, yeah. Yeah, but most of the record is just kick-ass. So definitely, if you're judging Firehouse because of their slow couple skating songs that they have hits with, I would say check their records out because I'm guessing that the soccer moms that go and purchase these records really don't like this band at all <laughs> when they get through the records because the majority of it is is pretty rocking shit. Okay, let's go to my number two record that I'm going to share with everybody. And this one I dug a little bit deeper on because Sonny and I have talked about this band a lot, but I don't necessarily know that we're making enough waves with the listener. But I'm going to also ring the bell and fly the flag again for Gothard. Gothard Gothard, however you want to pronounce it, they released their self-titled debut album in 1992. So I'll give you a real quick sort of history lesson with Gothard. They're a Swiss band, and they were founded in Switzerland by singer Steve Lee and guitar player Leah Leone. They have 13 studio albums out. They are the most successful act in Swiss history. Now, I know some people are like, Swiss? Well, they got like five people in Switzerland. No, it's not that small. Last 11 albums that they've had hit number one in the Swiss charts. Unfortunately, singer Steve Lee was killed in a motorcycle accident in 2010. This record for me is just a straight up great hard rock record. Straight ahead. I think there's only one ballad on the whole record. Some of my favorite songs for this record are Standing in the Light, Downtown, Fire Dance, Lonely Heartache. I love those tunes. Breaking 
I would encourage people to go check out some Gothard and you can start with that first album because Steve Lee is a killer singer. That's my number two. What do you think? All right. So first of all, the album cover, it doesn't really fit. <laughs> like the album cover makes it look like they're death metal, doesn't it? That green album cover? The album cover for people that don't have a clue is the, what they call it, the shroud of, uh, it's the Jesus thing, the Jesus shroud. I can't remember what they call it. It's a religious thing. You know what that is, right? Oh, no, I don't know what that oh, is. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, I'm going to look it up. Yeah. I'm a heathen, obviously, so it doesn't matter. Anyway, the record. So my favorites on this thing, Standing in the Light, Downtown Lonely Heartache, because Standing in the Light literally could be on Slided In. Downtown, it's got like a Terry Lou type grit with the same soul, like back-to-back killers. And dude, that cover of Hush is awesome. I love that cover of Hush. Me too. The songs I don't like on there. There's only really, I would say, three. Get Down's kind of meh. Mean Street Rockets, just a little weird. And that's it at the end. Dude, don't put 76 seconds of all the shit that didn't work out in the studio all jammed together to waste 76 seconds of my life at the end. Come on, dude. What the hell is that? Okay, I got it. Thank you, Google. It's called the Shroud of Turin. Google it and you'll see what I'm talking about. But that's okay. that's what that is. The Holy Shroud is um, a linen cloth, basically, that covered Jesus after his crucifixion. Uh, and that's what that album cover is. That's what it looks like to me. But the album's got two great ballads. There's a lot of white snake type sound on this record. Overall, it's great. It's just that last that last song is just a mess. I don't know what the hell. It's not a perfect album, and yeah, I agree with you that the little intro thing and and that is sort of a waste. But I'm with you on the majority of this record. It's good. It's a great, solid hard rock record, and yeah, it's to me. I even like it a little bit more than the White Snake, simply from a rocking standpoint. You know, just straight ahead. And Steve Lee, man, such a great singer. Yeah, and I'll tell you, as the albums go on after this, their songwriting gets better. Mm -hmm. So they started in a good spot, and they get better. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. All right, so we'll take a quick break out from this episode and ask you guys to go leave us a five-star reviews. They've been coming in, and we appreciate it. It tells us you're listening to it. It tells us you're digging what you're hearing. And we do appreciate each and every one of you guys with your feedback that you leave. Plus, I would encourage you guys to go and check out a few episodes if you missed them. So earlier in the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight, we played Shiraz Lane from their latest album, Forgotten Shades of Life. I would encourage you guys to go check out episode 139, where we sat down on the Monsters of Rock cruise with singer Hannes Kett. That was a great interview and a great time. Sat in our little cabin and drank some, what else, Shiraz red wine and uh, talked to Hannes. And uh, yeah, we had a good time with that. I would also encourage you guys to go check out episode 80 where we sat down with Millie from Steelheart. That was also a great interview and uh, just a really good time that we had shooting the shit with those guys. So go check out those past episodes. Thanks for listening. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. The sound of the loud minority, the 
So the second album I want to talk about, Babylon 80, their second album, which was called Nothing Sacred. So Bay Area guys, you know, they came up through the channels. They were playing all the clubs. But these guys were connected with Clive Davis because he signed him at a live showcase in L.A. And the problem is the first album didn't exactly blow the doors off. And this album, the music scene is changing. So, And these guys, they're just a little too late. I mean, if they come out 84, 85, they got the feel, they got the look, they got the songs, and they obviously they got Clive's ear, so they probably do a bit better. My guess is a lot of our friends kind of missed on this album and probably missed on this band as a whole. At this point, so we're at 1992, the band is Derek Davis on lead vocals. He is the main guy. Ron Freshy on guitars, Jamie Pacheco on drums, John Matthew on guitars, and Eric Pacheco on bass. And Eric passed away uh, about two years ago. We've both seen him on the Monsters. Well, I don't know if you saw him on Monsters Rock Cruise. I've seen him on Monsters Rock Cruise. They were good. Derek is going to probably kill somebody with that mic stand because he, no matter how small the stage is, he's got the Coverdale moves down. So that thing's usually flicking around pretty good. I would say the best songs to me off this are Take the Dog Off the Chain, which they're very hair metal, almost poison second or third album kind of sound, but with better vocals. Bad Blood, Psychedelic Sex Reaction, and Blind Ambition. Those are my four favorite songs off of this. It's not a perfect record. You know, you get to like Pray for the Wicked. You know, you got kind of a boring chorus. You got you got an instrumental on this thing for some reason. Like, and they, you know, Slave Your Body's a little cheesy. So it doesn't surprise me that they didn't do super well because I think what ends up happening is there's too many bands come out at the same time. And even if you know Clive, what's he going to do? Save you? Like, he can't. Like, he got to do some of it by yourself. But I think it's a deep cut album that some may have missed.
Had you ever heard this album? Do you own it? When was the last time you heard it? I do own it. I haven't listened to it in quite some time. Here's what I'll tell you. With all the success that Clive Davis is known for, Clive Davis has kind of drawn up a dud when it comes to hard rock bands in the 80s and 90s, right? He hadn't had a whole lot of success. And this band, Babylon AD, in a lot of ways, they sort of mirror their label mates every mother's nightmare. And the reason I say that is because, first of all, they're both Clive Davis bands. Second of all, one of my favorite songs on this record, Nothing Sacred, called Bad Blood, is very Every Mother's Nightmare. But I really like Bad Blood. Yes, I think the guy is a great singer. But Sacrifice Your Love, Slave Your Body, I mean, these are some of the other songs that I like. But they really kind of lost me on this record when the third song in is a ballad. Uh, it's just too many slow points throughout the uh, this record. I like it when they're rocking. I appreciate that. But in 1992, you got to rock more than you got to put out a bunch of ballads. And uh, they didn't do that on this record. The first record is kind of similar for me in terms of there's a lot of good stuff on that first record as well. Obviously, the more popular tunes that people know. But this record is um, it's got a lot of good stuff on it. It's just kind of 50-50 for me. Yeah, I think the other trap that they fell into is the first record has Desperate, which I love that song, and it's kind of a mid-tempo ballad, and they tried to write it a couple of times on this album, and it just did not, it did not work. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, Clive Davis, in the late 80s and 90s, he, he signed Babylon AD, he signed Every Mother's Nightmare, and he signed Enough's Enough, and none of those bands paid off for him. And they might have if he signs them in 85, 86. Maybe. You never yeah. know. All right, so I'm going to finish up with my third choice, which is the debut album from the band Hardline. They released Double Eclipse in 1992. Originally, the band was formed in 1991 by the brothers Johnny and Joey Gioli. The band consisted of five members, which were the brothers Johnny and Joey. Also had Neil Sean, who wanted to do something a little bit heavier than Bad English at the time. And then you had Todd Jensen and Dean Castronova. What a lineup. I mean, that is a great lineup for a rock band. And this record, Double Clips, man, this is a killer record. I love this record pretty much. And in fact, there's a couple of tunes on here that I'm like, I don't know how the hell this wasn't bigger. The only reason that it wasn't bigger is probably because it wasn't released three, four years earlier. Uh, but there are some songs on here that are just absolutely killer. I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think Neil Sean's connection to the Gioli brothers is through maybe his wife, maybe he's their brother-in-laws or something like that. There's some sort of uh, relationship in between that family, uh, and that's how he knows Johnny and Joey. Todd Jensen, who is now the bass player in Journey, and then Dean Castronova, of course, you know his story, and he's back in Journey now. So you've got three-fifths of Journey in this band, Todd and Dean and, and of course, Neil, uh, are all currently in Journey. I got to see this band. They played a record release party, and I got invited to it. I got a picture that I've shared before online with me and Neil Sean and Todd Jensen, and I think uh, uh, Johnny Gioli is the other one in the picture. 
but I love this record. Some of my favorite songs on this record is Life's a Bitch, Taking Me Down. I've talked about numerous times. I love it. Dr. Love, not calling Dr. Love, but Dr. Love. And then the one song that I can't believe wasn't a huge hit is I'll Be There. That song has hit written all over it to me. What do you think of this record? You like this record, don't you? I like most of it. So my my favorite songs are Life's a Bitch, Take Me Down, Hashiri. Rhythm of the Red Car was um, my introduction. Most people that know Hardline, that was the introduction. Yeah. I love that song too. The three ballads on here, the closest one that I thought, and I don't even know if it's a ballad, would be Can't Find My Way. His Change of Heart is okay, but there was much better from that era. And in the hands of time at the end is buff fucking rudal. That is not a great song. It's totally forced. 
So there's a, yeah, there's a couple of duds here, but dude, life's a bitch, Dr. Love and Rhythm of a Red Car right out of the gate just knock you on your ass. So you definitely want to listen to the rest of the record, but it's definitely not a perfect record to me. Dude, what do you think of that song, I'll Be There? Don't you think it has a great song? I think it's a great deep cut for, well, everything Hardline has is pretty much deep cut because nobody knows it, exactly. but I think it's a great song. Yeah, I really like that tune. And like, why'd you need an instrumental? Like, is that just to keep Neil happy? Like, there was an instrumental on this damn thing. That would be my guess. And I mean, yeah. he was he was one and done with them anyway. He's just, I don't know, he's killing time. But I just think that's a great lineup. It's a great first effort. And if you haven't heard Hardline or heard of Hardline lately, I mean, they put out some great stuff since then as well. So, you know, I would encourage you to definitely check the band out as a whole, but definitely start with this record because it's killer. I really like Hardline a lot. That's really my three records. You got one more, don't you? Yep, let's talk about the Croatian sex god. We mentioned Millie in the break that we interviewed him on episode 80. Their second album was called Tangled in Rains, released in 1992. This pretty much ended them because a couple of reasons. One is musical scene is changing, but the other was they end their tour in Asia. They're opening for Slaughter. They're in Denver on Halloween night 92. And Millie climbs up on a lighting truss that was unsecured and fell, broke his nose, cheekbone, jaw, twisted spine, like he was done. He's like, I'm done with the music business. And he was out for almost four years before they came back. And, you know, like I said, the scene was changing. The first record did well overall, but uh, the second record, you know, it got to number 144 on the Billboard charts. That's where it kind of ended. You got Millie on lead vocals at this point, Chris Rizzolo on lead guitar, Frank Discontanzo on rhythm guitar, James Ward on bass, and John Fowler on drums, who uh, passed away in 2008. Rest in peace. It's a rockin' record. There's a couple of ballads on it. Loaded Mother, All Your Love, Love Em, and I'm Gone are probably my favorite songs. Mama, Don't You Cry is an incredible ballad. So if you are a ballad person, Mama, Don't You Cry is worth a listen, if nothing else. And there's a couple of songs on here where it's more like killer filler but then you get to like late for the party. That's probably as cheesy as cheesy gets there. And then like Electric Love Child, it's a little psychedelic. And I think it's because Millie is a Zeppelin and Doors fan. So you kind of get that out of it. Like Mama Don't You Cry was number one in a lot of Asian countries. This is why Millie can still do a bunch of stuff in Asia. But uh, yeah, this pretty much well, almost killed Millie, but definitely killed Steelheart in the early 90s anyway. And they made a little bit of a comeback and now they're out there, but they're really a, what, third level band that's playing clubs, maybe doing 25 dates a year right now. Hey everybody out there in Rayland, this is Miriam Matias from Steelheart. You are listening to Growing Up Rock Podcast. Stay tuned, stay crazy, stay beautiful. Love y'all. Pow.
What do you think of this album? Yeah, so this was the second band that I was telling you where I thought the two bands are sort of similar and these albums are very similar. So Firehouse, Hold Your Fire and Steelheart's Tangled in Ruins. They both had success on their first albums. They were sort of, I mean, they weren't huge, but they were playing filled clubs at this point. And then they put out these second records. Now, I think Firehouse had a little bit more success with the ballad off of Hold Your Fire. Tangled in Ruins really didn't do anything at all. To me, it's a undiscovered gem. It's an underrated record. I love Sticky Side Up, Electric Love. I like the song Steelheart. I know that probably this is not one of your favorite Steelheart songs, but I love the um, passion in that song. I mean, I can feel the intense sort of pissed off feeling when he's singing those lyrics in that song. They never do any of this record live, and I kind of hate that they don't. I'm guessing maybe he just doesn't like this period of time in his life. And so he shies away from it. But I would love to hear them do, you know, at least like Sticky Side Up and Electric Love Child or something off this record. That would be fantastic if they'd mix that in their live set. But uh, yeah, I I like this record a lot. uh, And I do own this record as well. All right, let's connect it to Kiss. It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. For the historic moment, so it's 92. So in history, Eric Carr's just passed away, and Kiss really needs to release a kick-ass record. So they tap Bob Ezrin and Vinnie Vincent to produce and write songs. Unholy was a first great single off of Revenge. Every Time I Look at You is a great ballad to me. Not everybody would agree with that. And there's a ton of great deep cuts on this record that really a lot of people haven't heard because, you know, Revenge is 92 and they're pretty much done with Kiss and their reunion tour is about four years around the corner. But let's go with a Gene vocal off of Revenge celebrating its 30th year anniversary. Here is Thou Shalt Not.
Love it. Great record. Another good song off that record. Digging it. Yeah, I'm finding out in Kiss World that revenge is love-hate. Like, people really like Unholy because they felt like the demon was back. But besides that, man, there is about equal love and equal hate for revenge. And I'm surprised because I I think revenge is better than Hot in the Shade. Uh, I would agree with that. Uh, But isn't that a lot of records? Isn't Creatures of the Night sort of similar? Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't hear people say they hate it. They just don't know it that much. But, like, some of the 80s... Like the non-makeup albums have a little more love-hate to them. Like I can find just as many people that like Asylum that hate Asylum. Yeah. Because they don't like Fast Kiss or whatever, right? And the demon was really gone from Creatures all the way until Revenge came back. Like I remember when I first heard Unholy, I'm like, holy shit, is that Gene? Like he's back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I like Revenge a lot and uh, I like Creatures a lot. (laughs) <laughs> you know, because that's really, I wasn't into Kiss in the 70s. I got into Kiss in the 80s, even though I knew who they were and I knew about them. I, it really didn't draw me in until Creatures of the Night. So, but yeah, good record for sure. Uh, I dig that one. All right. So what else we got here? It's been good. You know, three for 30, baby. Yeah. 1992, you know, for growing up rock listeners for us, you got to say early 80s. To really early 90s is really the bang zone for most of the music I listen to and love, or at least most of the bands I listen to and love. They have music outside of that 10 to 11 years that I also love. But a lot of the stuff that I was introduced to, well, of course, was at that time frame because you're talking about from 12 to 23. Like that's the bang zone of when I'm going to get into music. And it's somewhat similar for you, right? Like the maybe not so much the early 90s. Maybe it's more late 70s to late 80s for you. Yeah, definitely. It is definitely the the late 70s and really early to mid. But honestly, music for me as a whole was probably, if I'm being honest, because I was all over the place in the late 70s and early 80s. From a hard rock perspective, probably mid to late 80s for me. Yeah, and there's a lot of, you can call them underrated, you can call them undiscovered, you can call them left for dead. There's a lot of the bands that we love that release stuff in the early 90s and, you know, chalk it up from like 91 to 94 that has never gotten a second listen, possibly was never bought, and really had some really good music, including some of these records here, just because the musical scene was changing and most of our friends We're in their early to mid-20s, so different things were becoming important to them, right? Yeah, I mean, it's been an ongoing topic here on the Grown Up Rock podcast, the amount of stuff that was released in the early 90s that basically got shoved under the rug because of the grunge era, etc. And, uh, you know, I'm still discovering it today. I mean, bands I completely miss that uh, we find today because of the podcast and we're, we're like, how the hell do we miss this one? Uh, but it's, it's definitely there. So that's what makes this podcast great. And having a podcast is that we as music fans get to go out and discover a lot of the stuff that we missed in the early nineties. So I love it. Yeah. And if you think about it, this was also the time frame where the hair metal, melodic rock, whatever you want to call it, is starting to struggle. So bands are starting to split up and lose members. Mm-hmm. And damn, if you can kill Priest and Maiden within a couple of years, then you really got something. Something is seriously wrong. 
Yeah, and a lot of those band uh, members, when they split up, they're going and trying to their hand at different other types of bands and sounds and things like that. So you're getting a marriott of different stuff for sure. Yeah, but it's nice to go back and like I hadn't heard that Goddard album in a while. And I hadn't listened to the Hardline album in a long while. So it's kind of nice to go back and listen to those. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. And Hold Your Fire was the same for me as well. Uh, I enjoyed giving that a couple of go-throughs completely. And so it's good from that perspective, for sure. It's been a great episode. Listen, this episode is coming after we just had our big concert ticket debate. So hopefully people went back to that episode last week. Uh, listened to it and chimed in on their thoughts and how they're feeling about paying $450,000 per ticket to see Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> it was interesting. I saw a post today. Hey, Motley Crue wasn't that bad. They they were they were okay last night or whatever. And I'm like, dude, for the price of tickets that you paid, they should have been fucking outstanding. <laughs> Okay, it's not good enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, people are paying for the uh, the old memories, I think, for the nostalgia of it all. And that's probably part of the issue as well. But Yeah, but you could order a pizza, put in feel good, kick back, and not spend a dime. Yeah, don't disagree with you. Anyway, we digress. It's been a good episode. Thanks for everybody listening. Thanks for celebrating our five years last month. And that's it. Sonny, you got anything to add before we get up on out of here? Thank you, everybody, for the kind words for the five years. Thanks for the five-star reviews. Thanks for the notes and texts and messengers I get. I mean, I really appreciate people listening. There's a lot of love out there, and I I just really appreciate it because at times I'm just saying stupid stuff like Sad Teresa sucks. So I'm glad people are listening. At least he recognized that was stupid. All right. Until next week, we are out of here. See ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.